Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host. And you may have noticed that we did not have a show last week. So let me give you a quick rundown as to why. I told my wife, I said, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do this little project in the front yard. shouldn't take too long. It's pretty easy to do, and I have almost all of the materials, and it shouldn't cost very much money. My wife very wisely said that sounds like a terrible idea because we're just about ready to start a little stay-at-home vacation with the family, and it sounds like you're going to be busy for a couple of days. And I said, no, 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 it's not going to happen that way. Well, I started the project on Friday morning, and $400 later, I finished it on $400 plus later, I finished it on Tuesday. And keep in mind, I already had most of the supplies that I thought I would need, and I still spent that much money and that much time on this thing. Needless to say, uh, my wife was right and I was wrong. But so because of that, we have a really big show this week. So I hope you are looking forward to it. Let's jump into the people I would like to thank. It's a new month, so I need to thank the wonderful people that helped me put this show together. These are the folks that support this show on Patreon. You're not supporting me as much as you are supporting the show. I don't take any of the money and put it in my own pocket. All of the money goes back into the show. So in no particular order, I would like to thank Rolando, Tommaso, Adam, Vanilla Wafer, Ryan, Karen, Chip. Ooh, remind me, we need to talk about the contest. John, not contest, the giveaway. John, Chris, Ian, Dale, Don, Cameron, Nate, Mark, and James, of course, from Chew North EVs. James recently had an interview with the gentleman who invented the OBD2 port, which is uh, a device that connects to your electric vehicle and just gives you a bunch of information. It was a really good inf- interview. I can't remember what the guy's name was. It was something really French-Canadian, like Jacques or Jean, but it was a good interview. I really enjoyed it. So let's talk about the contest. Again, not a contest. Let's talk about the gift away that we're doing. Chip sent me an email, and if you don't know... Um, and if you're a new listener, Chip loves to give away stuff on the show. <laughs> he's given away a bunch of cool NASA stuff. Uh, he's been very generous. So he sent me an email and he's like, hey, let's give some money away. And I said, okay, cool. Chip put up $100. I decided to match his $100 with my $100. And we are giving 
Amazon gift cards away in the amount of $25 per person. I know it's not a lot of money, but it is something. So the goal is to make your day better. So shoot me an email, Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com, and I will pass on a $25 gift card to Amazon. And no questions asked. Just tell me you would like the money and you will get the money. And before uh, we jump into the news, I do want to say one more time, go check out James's podcast, True North EVs. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, he has a new uh, podcast up with an interview, and I can't remember the person he's interviewing. I haven't listened to the episode yet, but he is knocking it out of the park with these interviews. He's doing such a good job. So I really think you should give his podcast a chance. I am proud to say that I have listened to every single one of his episodes, and I have learned something on every episode. So go give it a shot. Like I said, the link is in the show notes. All right, we're going to start off with Rivian. It looks like Rivian may be planning to manufacture solid-state batteries. This information was gleaned from a Rivian job posting on their website. They are looking for five engineers to develop these solid-state batteries. So we've talked about this kind of thing several times in the last five years or so that I've done this podcast. Some companies seem to be really close in cracking the code of solid-state batteries in terms of commercial use, but it is really difficult. Fisker just gave up on their efforts for a commercial solid-state batteries. And I'm sure this is a project they're still working on. They're just, it's just not going to be <laughs> anything they're going to use in the near future in terms of, you know, like the Fisker Ocean or anything else that's commercially viable. So good luck to Rivian in their solid state battery journey. Rivian's also been cold weather testing in Minnesota to improve the battery performance, amongst other things, of their vehicles. Right now, they're trying to figure out the best way to keep the battery above 14 degrees Fahrenheit while still optimizing performance. Instead of using electric heaters to keep the battery warm, which is what most manufacturers do, they are going to use the inverter, the traction system, and the motor to generate heat and then use that heat to keep the battery warm. This will work even if the vehicle is stationary. I'm not really sure how it works, but they say it works. Rivian says their way of heating the battery will end up being more efficient than the traditional way. So we'll see. The Mach-E has been out for a few weeks and already has its first recall. So the headlines are saying the recall is due to loose bolts. Now, that's a little bit of a misnomer. Uh, yes, the bolts are technically loose. They just weren't tightened to a the, the specification. So they're not just rattling around like some headlines would have you or some uh, outlets would have you believe. And only about 75 of the Mach-E's that were affected were actually delivered. So mostly this is an internal recall with Ford. And while we're on the subject of Ford, they're thinking of repurposing their manufacturing plants in Europe to build EVs, which is smart because all these European countries are coming out and saying no gas vehicles past this date. So it makes sense for them to repurpose those manufacturing plants into something that will be financially viable for them in the future. I mean, they are a company that's been around for a long time. They'd like to be around for a lot longer. It just kind of makes sense. And just kind of as a side note, yesterday I saw a Ford Mustang Mach-E at Best Buy and I followed this guy around 
so if if you were the guy in the Maquis, I think it was gray, at the Best Buy by the Chandler Mall, and I was creeping you out because I was following you around, I'm sorry. Email me, Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918Digital. I'd like to take a better, closer look at your car. Thank you. <laughs> According to the Lucid Motors Investor Stack, they are planning on building an electric pickup and sports car by 2030. This makes total sense. I don't even know what else to say about that. It seems like they should be doing that stuff. I've got two more little tidbits on Lucid. First, the Casa Grande City Council approved Lucid to begin construction on their second phase of their factory, which I think is called Amp 2. And then a few weeks ago, we talked about a rumor that Lucid Motors was looking at building a factory in Saudi Arabia. At the time, I said that it was entirely possible since the Saudi Public Investment Fund invested $2 billion in Lucid. So it makes sense that if they wanted a manufacturing plant in that part of the world, they would do it in Saudi Arabia. Well, we learned this week that part of that investment deal, Lucid would build a factory in Saudi Arabia. So it looks like Lucid Motors will be building a factory in Saudi Arabia, which at this point, as far as I know, Saudi does not have any car manufacturing plants at all. I couldn't find one um, reference to uh, manufacturing plants in Saudi Arabia. If you live in Saudi Arabia and I am wrong on this, let me know, but I, I couldn't find anything. Let's talk about the Jaguar I-Pace. If you damage the battery in your I-Pace, it could cost you, and it's going to cost you a lot. We're talking $39,319, which is almost half the price of the car uh, for those in Europe, where that's 32,650 euros just to repair. That is a giant yikes. And if you you damage it in some way that's irresponsible and the warranty won't cover it, that's a giant oops. Might as well throw the car away at that point. Canoe is throwing their hat into the ring uh, for EV pickup trucks. And it looks a little bit more like the Cybertruck than it does an F-150. Honestly, this truck looks like a utility vehicle that you would find in India. And that's not meant to be a, a pejorative. When you compare the canoe pickup truck to the Mahandra Geo, I hope I said that right, they look very similar. So the canoe's pickup truck has a very kind of like a bubbly front end. And then it's got a short bed. It's very neat looking. Um, this is a concept. It's not anything at this point. I don't even think they've built a prototype. I think they've just, this is a concept. I just want to reiterate, uh, this is this is not being built at this time. So lots of things could change by the time it hits production. Anyway, this vehicle is two inches shorter than the BMW 3 because it doesn't have an engine. So there's you know plenty of space if they take out that area that they put the, the motor for the pickup truck. We are short on details uh, at the moment, but... We will know, we do know that the vehicle will have more than 200 miles range and an 1800 pound payload, which isn't bad. Initially, it will be a two seater, but there will be an option for a four seater at some point in time. I don't know if that'll be right away or if that'll be later in production. Pre orders start Q2 2021 and deliveries will begin in 2023. The base price of this is 33,000 US dollars. So. <laughs> I mean, Canoe's doing some really cool things. They just, 
nothing is in production at the moment. So I, I would like to see these companies start producing one vehicle at some sort of scale and and start selling it commercially and then tell us about your plans. It doesn't even have to be a good vehicle. It can totally suck. But don't start telling us about all these great things that you're going to do and you don't actually have a product on the market yet. However, I do have a soft spot for the company Canoe. Uh, I don't know why, but I do. I like the company. So that, that's why I talked about it here. But speaking of small pickups, trucks, and you know vapor vehicles, Alpha Motors showed off their pickup truck, The Wolf. The Wolf is a two-seater pickup truck that looks a lot like an old Toyota pickup truck, which means it's a really nice-looking truck. The specs on this are a range of 250 to 275 miles. It'll have dual and single motor options, 0 to 60 in 6.2 seconds, towing capacity of 3,000 pounds, and it'll start at $36,000. Again, <laughs> this this is one vehicle that they've announced. I don't know if they've announced any other uh, Alpha Motors. It's kind of a, 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 a EV company that's coming out of their, their stealth mode. So maybe we'll see more of this company in the future. But produce this truck. Build this truck. I think there's a lot of Toyota people who would love this truck. I would love this truck if I had money to to burn and spend on it. I think a lot of people are in the EV startup space are figuring out that it's a lot harder to build at scale than it is to build a few prototypes. And I go back to this since the very first uh, episodes of this show. Think of putting together any Ikea furniture that you've bought in the past, it is a nightmare. And they give you all of the pieces in a box and the instructions. They don't do a good job at the instructions, but they give you all the pieces in a box and the instructions and you still have things left over or something still doesn't fit, right? Um, Times that by a million and that's what it's like building an electric vehicle. So good luck to these companies. Um, Moving on. Nikola Motors has admitted to officials via the SEC 10K filing that founder and former CEO Trevor Milton lied on nine separate occasions. Not going to go over all the lies because at this point it doesn't matter. Nikola is trying to put the Milton years or the Milton era behind them and move on with the Nikola tray. Now, Nikola Motors was featured in a report by Hindenburg Research, and it was not very flattering for Milton or in some of the other leadership at Nikola in terms of lies told. Hindenburg Research now has an, uh, some research about Lordstown Motors and the leadership there. I'm not going to talk about that this week because the article came out so late in the day I wasn't able to completely read it before doing this podcast. So I'm going to save that probably for a Patreon exclusive next week. Starlink filed a recent FCC application hinting at plans that will allow Starlink to be installed on moving vehicles like planes, watercraft, cars. This is really cool. Can you imagine just you know, boarding a plane in Phoenix and flying to, let's say, Auckland, New Zealand. And the entire time you have this really, really good internet service where you can, you know, if you're working, you can actually do work. You can stream. Uh, this is pretty cool technology. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean they're going to do this anytime soon. 
Um, but there is a really good chance that they're going to put this technology in any vehicle that moves. If you are big into sailing, that could be a really important thing for you. So you can sail across the oceans and still have contact with people. I know that satellite phones are quite expensive. This would actually be quite a bit more affordable for you. In other Starlink news, Starlink's going to start rolling out service in Germany and New Zealand, which is really cool. And some Starlink beta testers are reporting a huge speed bump. Starlink users on Reddit are reporting, they originally reported of getting like 50 to 100 megabits per second download speeds. Now they're getting 250 to 400 megabits per second. Now it'll be interesting to see if that persists as they add more people to the Starlink network. But still, those are really good speeds. I get 750 here at my house. And that's, that's pretty good, but 250 to 400 is really, really good, uh, considering it's coming from space. The SEC is investigating Elon's tweets for cryptocurrency manipulation, um, maybe. So here's the deal. Elon tweeted about Dogecoin and Bitcoin, and you know Elon's tweets do move markets, so we'll kind of see where this goes, but right before I recorded the show, an article popped up that an investor is actually suing Elon because his tweets move markets um, and not the SEC. So I didn't have time to do a deep dive and to see if this was a, an investor or an SEC thing or a combination of both. But just kind of keep that in the back of your head as you're, <laughs> as you're perusing your Tesla news. Tesla insurance is poised to launch in a few new states. According to Simon Alvarez of Teslarati, we already know that Tesla insurance is operating in California. Well, it looks like it's coming to Texas, Illinois, and Washington. We don't have any real timelines at the moment. We do know that Texas and Illinois, the insurance regulators there, have already approved the rates and policies for Tesla insurance. So I think this is awesome. As Tesla spreads out across North America, they also have plans to bring Tesla insurance to Israel, China, and Europe. LG Kim is set to build a pilot 4680 battery cell at their Ocheng plant in South Korea. Hope I said that right. I probably didn't. Tesla announced the 4680 battery cell at Battery Day in 2020. Uh, this is good, good news because, you know, the Cybertruck's set to be the first production vehicle to use these cells and they're going to be rolling off the, the production line by the end of the year, according to Tesla. So I'd imagine that te all of Tesla's suppliers need to be tooling up to meet this demand. Uh, I think at last count, we were just under a million Cybertruck reservations. Now, even if only half of those people actually go through with it, you're looking at 500,000 uh, vehicles. That's pretty good for Tesla, especially when you think that at minimum, it's going to be a $40,000 vehicle, but most people will be spending 50 plus thousand dollars for this truck. So <laughs> good for Tesla. That's, that's a lot of money. This next story is only for <laughs> Arizona residents who have SRP as their electric company. Arizona utility company SRP is offering a $1,000 rebate to customers if they buy a new EV. And in addition, 
If you're an EV owner already, or if you're buying this new EV and you want a level two destination charger, you can go to the SRP marketplace and they'll give you $250 off the level two charger. So that's a pretty good deal. This is a pilot program, so who knows how long it's going to last. Uh, but, you know, free money is free money, although it's not really free. You're going to pay it back over time when you charge your vehicle and SRP charges you the insane peak rates. But whatever, it's $1,000 off your car and then $250 off your charger. So it's still a good deal. Tesla is building their first superchargers in Israel. The first three supercharging stations will go in Tel Aviv, and that's just the starting point, and they will spread out from there. So pretty cool for folks who live in Israel and own a Tesla. Tesla stopped production on the Model 3 and Model Y production lines at Fremont. According to Elon's leaked email, the stoppage was due to part shortages. The line is back up and running now. Uh, let's see here. There's some other factory news the model s and model x retooling is nearly complete and it may be done by now by the time you read this and demand according to elon for the new model s and x is high tesla is increasing production to actually meet this demand model y delivery dates are slipping according to sawyer Merritt. delivery dates went from approximately two to five weeks to seven to eleven weeks and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess this has something to do with that part shortage, of course, because uh, that makes the most amount of sense. And later we're going to find out why model why delivery dates might even slip even more. Uh, as a quick note, real quick, though, uh, the price of the Model 3 Standard Range Plus and the Long Range Dual Motor All-Wheel Drive Model 3 increased by $500. So that price has gone up by $500. The Model Y Long Range Dual Motor All-Wheel Drive that one increased by uh, $1,000, so that's a pretty hefty increase there. And the Model S Plaid Edition increased by $10,000. And the delivery dates, uh, according to this article, were pushed from late 2021 to mid-2022. And I was under the assumption that the Model S Plaid was going to come out sooner than that. So not really sure where the wires got crossed there for me. Uh, if you know something different, email me Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital and let me know. Elon says we should see the final version of the Cybertruck sometime during the Q2 2021 financial quarter. That was a really weird way to say that. Uh, as a Cybertruck reservation holder, I am extremely excited to see what they've been up to and how this pencils down uh, Cybertruck is going to look because I cannot wait to get my hands on this vehicle. I am truly excited. Like a kid in a candy store, honestly excited. Tesla is set to roll out the full self-driving subscription plan in Q2 2021. Speaking of that quarter, my guess is it's going to be anywhere between $89 and $129 a month. But if you have a guess, let me know. Um, I also think that you should get a discount if you pay annually. And speaking of full self-driving, if you own a Tesla with full self-driving, you may get an opportunity to download the latest FSD beta. Elon took to Twitter to proclaim that the full self-driving beta program would be expanding. That created a lot of buzz, as you can imagine. 
And I'm guessing it overwhelmed the one or two Tesla employees that were in charge of adding people to the beta because Elon then took to Twitter again and said, hey, we're just going to put a download button in the software update section for owners with full self-driving. So if you have a Tesla and you have full self-driving, check that section to see if you can upgrade to the beta. It should be there within 10 days, Elon said. 10 days of what? I'm not sure. But it, it should be there within the next two weeks. So keep an eye out. And if you had to guess at what level of autonomy Tesla's full self-driving was operating at, what would your guess be? Uh, let me run down the six levels of autonomy according to the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration before you guess, okay? First, zero, no automation. <laughs> the, driver, the driver performs all of the driving tasks. Second, driver assistance. Vehicle is controlled by the driver, but some driving assist features may, include, may be included in the vehicle design. Level two, partial automation. Vehicles combined automated functions like acceleration and steering, but the driver must remain engaged with the driving task and monitor the environment at all times. Level three, the driver is a necessity, but not required to monitor the environment. The driver must be ready to take control of the vehicle at all times with notice. Okay. And then we have four, the vehicle is performing, excuse me, the vehicle is capable of performing all driving functions under certain conditions. The driver may have the option to control the vehicle. And then full autonomy level five, which is the vehicle is capable of performing all driving functions under all conditions and the, dra and the driver may have the option to control the vehicle. So based on that, where, where do you think Tesla's sitting? I figured Tesla was working at a solid level three, right? It turns out I was way wrong, <laughs> way wrong. And of course, after I read all those, I was like, mm, maybe they're not quite to a three. But I thought full self-driving was at a three, maybe getting ready to crest over to a four based on Elon's hype of the service. I don't have a Tesla so or full self-driving, so I really don't know. I'm just based off of what I read for this show. It turns out I was so wrong. According to documents sent to California officials in 2019 and 2020, Tes Tesla describes their full self-driving as a level two feature. Now, Tesla has never publicly claimed that full self-driving uh, at any time uh, was full autonomous driving. So let's just get that out there. These assumptions are my own. Here's a little snippet of the documentation provided by Tesla to California. Features that comprise autopilot are traffic-aware cruise control and auto-steer. Full self-driving FSD capability is an additional option, optional suite of features that builds from autopilot and is also representative of level 2. So, guess who was wrong? Me. But here's my question. Who certifies these levels? Is it up to the auto manufacturers to report what level their vehicle is working at? Or is there some certifying body that does that? Because that, that certifies it at a certain level. Because GM with the Cadillac Super Cruise is currently operating at a level two. And if you were going to be honest, based on the level two description, 
autopilot is operating at a level two and full self-driving does so much more than autopilot. Turns out we are so much further away of, from full autonomy than I thought. So I have to re- readjust my levels there of autonomy and where we're at. It is pretty cool technology, though. According to the IIHS, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, vehicles equipped with level 2 autonomy can improve di- driver's attentiveness. See what I did there with the last story in this story? I think we can all agree that having another set of eyes, even if they're robot eyes, is a good thing for us as drivers and the people around us. And the positive thing is it's another set of eyes that's letting us know that something's happening, but they're not nagging us. So that's that's a positive thing. Tesla has launched their new social media propaganda platform called Engage. And I'm only partly teasing on the propaganda stuff. Uh, it's a place for Tesla owners and enthusiasts to go and see what Tesla's up to. And then it also makes it easier for you to email your local, state, and federal representatives. So this is actually very smart. Uh, if Tesla's having a problem in your state, you can go to your engaged profile. You can pretty much just click like two buttons and two clicks and you have emailed your displeasure or pleasure in something uh, that you like or dislike about what the government's doing in terms of laws and regulations and how they may affect Tesla. This uh, new social media will be replacing Tesla forums. So uh, some people, I guess, are, are pretty upset about this, but they really haven't been, they've been waning and they haven't been very well kept up according uh, to the article that I read. I've never actually been on a Tesla forum, so I couldn't tell you. But they're going to go into read-only mode on March 15th. And eventually, I'm sure that they will just be silently removed. And finally, before we jump into our main topic of the show, there was a fire at the Fremont factory, the Tesla Fremont factory in California. According to the report, two engines and a ladder truck were dispatched to the fire and found one of Tesla's gigapresses on fire. Now, (laughs) judging from the smoke, there wasn't a lot of black smoke in the pictures that I saw, but judging from the smoke from a distance, I would assume that they were going to send way more than two fire engines and a ladder truck. Like in the system that I work in, uh, knowing where the fire is, this would come out as a first alarm fire and we're going to get way more than two engines and a ladder truck. That's a two engines and a ladder truck is a very standard response for us for the smallest thing, not for something at a manufacturing plant with black smoke billowing out. Although I will say that the smoke that I saw, it was black, but it wasn't like pushing. It was kind of wispy. So there's a whole thing with reading smoke and fire and stuff like that. So, you know, whatever, you don't know what you have, but when you roll out of the station and you look and you see black smoke billowing out of uh, the Fremont factory, you might upgrade that to a first alarm. And maybe they did, I don't know. Anyway, it it was the actual, it wasn't the actual gigapress that was on fire. It was some molten aluminum and hydraulic fluid. So when some metals are burning, if you put water on them, it creates a more violent reaction like magnesium. If you spray water on magnesium, burning magnesium, uh, it's going to have a very violent reaction to that water. So you don't want to do that. Firefighters have died making this mistake. 
So I don't know exactly what the reaction of burning aluminum with, with water would be. Um, but I know if you mix, you know, burning aluminum and water, you do get hydrogen, which is combustible. Any case, you don't want to spray water, a bunch of water on this stuff. Not only does it make a bigger mess because you spray the water and then the molten aluminum and the hydraulic fluid go everywhere. Uh, you're just making a bigger mess than you need to. So what you do is you put, uh, it's class D fire. So you put sand on it or some material that looks like sand. And then what that does is that breaks the fire tetrahedron. It removes the oxygen and eventually it'll cool down and then you can clean it up. So that's where, that's what they did. And they worked with the Tesla emergency response team. And it sounds like the, it sounds like it was a good uh, team effort there. And I'm sure this is also going to affect production in some way. All right, let's talk about our main topic. And this is something I would normally make a Patreon exclusive, but I'm going to talk about it here on the big show because I, I think it's kind of important to talk about and, and, Stay with me because we're trying to build to something here. I'm going to talk about several articles that kind of have a common thread. First thing we're talking about is Tesla is now a technical partner in a huge nickel mine in New Caledonia. So pause this or while you're listening to it, Google New Caledonia. This is a beautiful island in the Pacific Ocean. Like it's, it's gorgeous. Um, yeah, it's I, I was like, hmm, I might have to pay a visit to New Caledonia. But back to the story. This mine is very controversial. I don't think I said that word right, but you know what I meant. Uh, New Caledonia may hold as much as 25% of the world's nickel, which is a huge amount for a small island in the Pacific Ocean. Vale, a giant mining company, took over the mine in 2007. Since then, there's been environmental spills and even sabotage on some level. And it goes without saying that the locals are not big fans of the Vale, and the mine itself has been losing money. They're not big fans of Vale, the company, and the mine has been losing money. New Caledonia is a French ter territory, but they're trying to gain their independence from France. And this is something that is really easy to do when you have no natural resources to speak of or revenue. <laughs> like if you're, if you're, uh, draining France's resources, there's not a lot of reason for them to keep you around. However, if you have 25% of the world's nickel supply, that's like a little piggy bank for, for France, and it's not going to be easy for them to let that go. But it looks like Tesla is going to help set some product and sustainability standards. And of course, I'm sure they'll buy all the nickel they can get their hands on from this mine. Um, I don't know if they're eventually going to take over the mine from Vale. I wouldn't be surprised if they eventually do take over the mine from the mining company or at least uh, have a, a bigger role in in how the company, the mining company works and operates that particular mine. Now, having said that, Tesla is looking at shifting toward LFP, lithium iron phosphate cells for their more affordable Model 3 and Model Ys. LFP cells are cheaper and cobalt-free, or nearly cobalt-free. LFP batteries use iron as the cathode instead of nickel. So this is, this is good because they get to free up some of that nickel for their uh, uh, vehicles with a higher range because the downside of LFP batteries is they have their shorter range than the nickel cathode cells. 
which is why, you know, obviously Tesla's going to use them on the Model 3, and I would assume at some point on the Model Y if they're not already using it. This vehicle, these types of batteries are being used in China right now. And the other good thing about these batteries is they don't need cobalt or as much cobalt. And the nickel cathode cells, they actually do need cobalt. And cobalt is quite expensive. And 70% of the world's cobalt mining comes from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. This is problematic because of a lot of human rights violations in the mining industry, or just in the DRC as a whole. There's a lot of human rights violations. So that makes it more complicated and more difficult to source your materials responsibly, which is exactly why they're expanding these LFP cells to more vehicles in their fleet. All right, before we go too much further, I, I need to explain that some of the themes on the in the Patreon section over the last few weeks have been about renewable energy and EVs, and they're really good, and we, we want these things, but they also come at an environmental and human cost. I'm not going to rehash all these points because I made them in the Patreon episodes, but mining is, necess- is a necessary evil to get clean energy and clean cars. It just is. We, we have to get these materials from the earth so that we can put them in uh, solar panels and and wind turbines and electric vehicles. And then we can recycle a lot of that stuff back, you know, when at the end of use, we can get a lot of those materials back and put them into, you know, more batteries and things like that. But it's just a necessary evil that we're going to have to do. We need to make sure we don't do any unnecessary damage to the planet and in, in terms, if we do that to the planet, we're going to do that to us as people in the process. And it's easy to uh, dismiss the eradication of like a rare plant or a small animal species in some remote part of the world that you've never heard of in the name of progress. It's easy to say, well, it's just one flower. It's just one plant. It's just one mouse. But the problem is, is those plants and animals play a bigger role in the ecosystem that they reside in. And second, if we kind of do this thing over and over again, and we just kind of, we can continue to turn a blind eye on these small little plants and, and animals that are dying, this ends up to be, you know, it, we do this thousands of times over time. So it's, it's not like it adds up like one time in 10 years, isn't very much a thousand times in 10 years is quite a bit. I hope that that's clear. I don't feel like I'm making myself very clear there, but I I hope it's clear. Like, If we continue to say, oh, it's just this one thing over and over and over again across the world, it does add up is what I'm saying. So Ioneer, an Australian mining company, they're planning on mining an area in northern Nevada, Nevada for lithium. The problem is there's a flower that only grows in this little area and it happens to be sitting on top of the the lithium. It's called Thames buckwheat. It's a pretty cool looking flower. And with all desert plants, or I like all desert plants, it also looks like it can kill you. So it looks really cool, but also looks like you don't really want to touch it. Uh, This rare plant is set to be added to the endangered species list soon. Like it's within a matter of months that this is going to be added to the endangered species list. Now, if this happens, Ioneer will not They'll either not get to mine in this location, or it's going to be more difficult and expensive for them to mine at this location. So um, anyway, 
a group of flowers that were sitting in the same location on top of this lithium mine somehow dug themselves up one night and died. They they dug themselves, they they unplanted themselves, and they died for the cause, if you can imagine that. Ioneer denies harming the flowers, by the way, but the Center for Biological Diversity claims that humans destroyed the flowers because there were no signs of feces, puff prints, hoof prints, or other evidence of wildlife involvement. So, uh, yeah, it just so happens that all these flowers dug themselves up and, and died. This seems like a silly example, uh, but it's the, these kinds of compromises I'm talking about that are happening all over the world. And in the name of, you know, moving forward with clean energy and vehicles, we're making these these compromises. For instance, during droughts in the same area of northern Nevada, squirrels will chew on the Tim's buckwheat uh, roots to get water to survive. So if there's no more of these flowers in that area, the squirrels need to find somewhere else for water. And I'm sure in turn, you know, the squirrels eat these uh, roots and I'm sure they deposit seeds, deposit seeds in other locations so that the flowers can grow again. So it's circle of life. I will not sing the song. Uh, to add complication to this, if one nation or business controls the majority of these rare earth materials uh, needed to make clean energy and EVs, it's, it's not a good thing for a variety of reasons. And I'm not saying this to damn clean energy here and EVs. I'm just saying that we need to be aware of the trade-offs that we're making as consumers of clean energy and electric vehicles. I mean, look, look at it this way. We all feel really good about having clean energy. I'm really proud that my house has solar panels on it. I'm really looking forward to the time when I'll have an electric vehicle in my garage and I won't have to use um, gasoline anymore. So I'm looking forward to those things. However, if I found out that the company that made my solar panels had a horrible human uh, uh, rights track record and the company that made my electric vehicle uh, completely decimated an area of, of the world so that I could drive a, a really cool looking truck, I, I wouldn't be so proud to own those things. So really what my, my whole um, goal here is that we recognize that there are trade-offs for us to get clean energy. We, we can't get clean energy without doing a certain amount of pollution and damage to the planet. That's just the way that it is. And that's some of the, the themes that I've been talking about in the Patreon exclusive content lately. Anyway, um, as more legacy automakers enter the market and demand goes up for these already raw materials, we as consumers need to demand that these materials were sourced in a very responsible manner and no human rights rights were violated in the process. And then there's, there's even more <laughs> levels of, of complication um, and complexity. There are a number of projective sites in the United States that would affect land that's controlled by native Americans. And some of that land is on sacred sites. So there's another layer of complex complexity. And honestly, the more voices that, uh, are heard in these situations, the better we're going to be. We need to start putting profits or people over profits, not profits over people. 
I have a lot of conversations because I do this show. I have a lot of conversations with people who are are fed a pack of lies so they, or half-truths, let's put it that way, about how EVs are actually dirtier than than ICE vehicles. And I mean, let me just put this. <laughs> I had a conversation with somebody and it, I usually I use my friend Don as an example because Don and I enjoy arguing, but it wasn't Don this time. I had a conversation with somebody who said, you know, uh, EVs use more raw materials than ICE vehicles. And I was like, no, they don't. And he says, yes, yes, they do. So we had this whole conversation. I had read an article recently that basically debunked this myth, right? But one of the reasons or one of the, the things that they put in the article was that ICE vehicles, and I don't know why I didn't think of this, that ICE vehicles use oil, like gas is refined from oil. They use oil in the in the vehicle itself, Um Oil is a natural resource. So just from that alone, it's something like uh, an ICE vehicle will use like 17,000 gallons of gas. I think, no, no, excuse me, 17,000 liters of gas, which is like somewhere around 5,000 gallons. And diesel vehicles will be used like 15 or 13 or 14,000 liters of diesel in its lifetime, and which is around 3,800 uh, gallons of gas in its lifetime. So even on that level, uh, the EV is never going to come close to consuming as much natural resources because it doesn't burn natural resources. And they've done studies that show that if you live in a city or an area that uses coal for your main power source and you charge your electric vehicle, it's still cleaner than running an ICE vehicle. It just is. All right, that's enough. I'm starting to ramble a little bit. Um, I get kind of passionate about this stuff, not because I'm a great environmentalist, because I probably need a lot of work in that area. It's more because, you know, as a general rule, electric vehicles and solar panels on your house, it's kind of in its infancy. Like I've had solar panels on my house for 10-ish years. When I first got solar panels on my house, even in Arizona, there wasn't that many people to add them on their house. So uh, my goal in this is as we move forward and we start to get uh, more EVs become affordable, solar becomes more affordable to put on your house, there's going to be naysayers and we need to be armed with accurate information. And that's what I'm trying to provide. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. Electric vehicles, somebody comes up to you and is like electric vehicles cause pollution just by getting the, the raw materials out of the ground. Absolutely right. You don't even have an argument for that, but you can educate them that they use less raw materials in the vehicle itself. And then when you charge the vehicle, even in a coal area, like I said before, I'm not going to reiterate it. It's still better than driving a nice vehicle and you can point out the studies. Anyway, all of the articles for this week's show will be in the show notes. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. I know it's been a really long show. I apologize about missing last week, but, um, I appreciate each and every one of you for listening to this show. If you want to email me, you can email me Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. You can also find me on Twitter at 918digital. I hope you all have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. And with any luck, I should talk to you next Friday. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.